0: Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about how our brains make sense of the nonsensical and why black holes might work like holograms. Then we'll test your podcast knowledge in this month's Curiosity Challenge trivia segment.
0: Let's satisfy and challenge some curiosity. I'm really excited about this story. The way our brains help us make sense of the nonsensical is really interesting. I'm talking about when we're thrust into an uncertain situation or the world just seems to go sideways. Like when you saw what Elon Musk named his kid back in May. Like, what is that? X, A, E, etc. I don't even know. Well, believe it or not, scientists know how we make sense of stuff like this and the way our brains adapt can help us see the actual world around us in a new way. Now, psychologists have a theory for how the brain makes sense of the world. It's called the Meaning Maintenance Model. It says that people understand reality by making a web of beliefs that connect the people and the places and the objects around them. So when something unexpected happens, that disrupts our web of reality. Like when a magician pulls a rabbit out of an empty hat we feel uncertain, and we need to reconstruct our web to accommodate this new, sometimes disturbing information. And we can do three different things to rebuild that web of beliefs. Number one, we can build a whole new mental representation of reality. Something like, that hat must lead to another dimension that's full of rabbits. This is a pretty dramatic approach. Number two, we can reinterpret the unexpected event to make it fit within our existing web of beliefs and relationships. Something like, the magician distracted me so I couldn't see that it was a trick hat. And number three, we can strengthen other unrelated beliefs in our web to compensate for that lapse in meaning. You know how sometimes people will see a magic trick and just get angry? That's this. Researchers call it fluid compensation. It's about avoiding the troubling uncertainty altogether and retreating to a safe place. Like, one study found that after students did poorly on a test, they were more likely to support their school's football team after a win. That's fluid compensation in real life. Because when these students experienced discomfort, they strengthened other values in their web. In this case, school spirit. The Meaning Maintenance Model isn't just an interesting psychological quirk. Scientists also think it could be used to our advantage in educational settings. That's because being faced with the absurd seems to make our brains extra vigilant, which can sharpen our thinking and improve pattern recognition. If teachers can help students dwell in that feeling of uncertainty, they may be able to find more meaning in what they're learning. The meaning maintenance model could also explain some of the increasing polarization in politics. When we're faced with something disturbing in the news, we could engage in fluid compensation and retreat back into what's familiar to us. But if we can manage to remember that that discomfort could help us grow, we might actually be able to use that feeling to expand our understanding of the world around us.
1: Black holes are pretty much the coolest. They're made up of so much mass packed so densely that not even light can escape their gravity. They also pose a problem, and physicists have spent decades trying to solve it. For instance, they recently proposed a suitably snazzy hypothesis. What if black holes work like holograms? All right, so hear me out. A hologram is a three-dimensional image that's created from the information on a two-dimensional surface. Just think about how R2-D2's flat holographic projector was able to create a 3D rendering of Princess Leia. What does that have to do with black holes? Well. Black holes are caught between two competing theories. If you think about them through the lens of Einstein's theory of relativity, black holes seem like fairly simple bodies that warp space-time. They don't contain a lot of information, which means it wouldn't take a lot of math to perfectly describe one. It also means that if you threw something in, any information about that object would be lost. But black holes are pretty different from the perspective of quantum mechanics. In that view, they're extremely complex. And in quantum mechanics, information can't be destroyed. It has to go somewhere. And yet Stephen Hawking discovered that everything inside a black hole eventually escapes as radiation. That information is destroyed, even though that's impossible. That's a dilemma known as the black hole information paradox. A huge disagreement between the relativity perspective and the quantum mechanical one comes down to one thing, gravity. There's no description of gravity that works with both theories. We talked with physicist Adam Becker about this very thing on our May 15th episode, if you need a refresher. But in any case, when it comes to black holes, that's the wrinkle the hologram hypothesis seeks to iron out. Here's the idea. Maybe the information that describes a black hole isn't in the black hole itself. That is, it's not in the three-dimensional object we call a black hole. Maybe that information is located in a different kind of system, a two-dimensional plane that surrounds the black hole. As matter passes through that 2D plane into the black hole, the plane stores its information. When it eventually escapes as radiation, the information is restored. This wild idea doesn't just help to iron out the black hole information paradox. It also helps the relativity and quantum mechanical perspectives play nice together. That's because the holographic principle relies on a sort of inverse two-dimensional description of the black hole that describes its gravity without actually using gravity in the equation. That lets the theory jive with quantum mechanics. It helps shine a little more light on the mystery of black holes. It's time once again for the Curiosity Challenge! Every month, I call up a listener and I put them to the test by asking three questions from stories we ran on Curiosity Daily in the past month. For this Curiosity Challenge, I talked to Julian Huget in Los Angeles. He's a host for several YouTube channels, including Seeker and NVIDIA GeForce, and a Twitter friend who volunteered when I put out the call for trivia players. With that, let's find out how he did on this month's Curiosity Challenge. I will start with the first question. Are you ready?
2: Yes, lay it on me. All
1: right. In the fight against viruses like the coronavirus, scientists are turning to llama antibodies. Why? A, they're remarkably similar to human antibodies, so we can use them for testing. B, they're tiny, so you can stitch pieces of them together to make super antibodies. Or C, they're just as stubborn as llamas are, so viruses don't want to mess with them.
2: Oh man, I was not expecting llamas right off the bat. I would think from trying to develop a vaccine standpoint, it makes the most sense to go with A, they're similar to human antibodies.
1: Oh, that is incorrect. No way. They're really small. What? They're missing a major piece that human antibodies have and that makes them very light. And so they're easy to stitch together. So you can make one antibody that fights multiple viruses.
2: Oh, like an Ultron antibody. Totally. Yeah. All right. Oh, for one.
1: No worries. We'll go on to the next one. So... Believe it or not, scientists have a word for that thing where you just keep scrolling through Twitter and avoid going to bed even though you're super tired. I don't know if you've experienced this.
2: No, no. Never heard of this phenomenon in my life. I sleep eight hours like a baby every night.
1: (laughs) So what is this word or this term? A, bedtime procrastination. B, sleep delay. Or C, REM suspension.
2: I want to pick A again. I'm going to go with A.
1: It is correct. It's bedtime procrastination. Yay!
2: I delayed on picking that one, but I got it.
1: Yeah, no, you were, <laughs> you were perfect. All right, so uh, last one. So you got one. You're one out of two. So let's see if, if you can get the third one. Uh, so this one's hard, and I'm a little nervous about it. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. New research suggests that one of Earth's most devastating explosions was caused by a meteor that never even hit the ground. Instead, it actually grazed our atmosphere and bounced back into space. Which event was this? The Chicxulub impactor, or the one believed to have killed the dinosaurs? Uh, The Chesapeake Bay bolide impact, which happened 35 million years ago around Chesapeake Bay? Or the Tunguska event, which took place in Siberia in 1908? I'm going to go with
2: the one I haven't heard of, B. B. It's wrong. It's actually
1: Tunguska. No
2: kidding. They they think it yeah. raised the atmosphere. I thought there was evidence of where it landed and they think
1: it just bounced off. Yeah, they have evidence of like where the effects happened. But yeah, it was like an iron meteor about the size of an Olympic swimming pool that grazed our atmosphere. And it that grazing was enough to do that much damage.
2: That's incredible. Yeah, I remember seeing the modeling they did of like how the trees got knocked down to figure out like how it must have impacted the earth. And now they think it just grazed the atmosphere. I never heard that theory. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, it's brand new. It's it's wild. Yeah. Oh,
2: wow. Very exciting <laughs> times to be in Siberia.
1: <laughs> Very. All right. Well, you got one out of three. That was Oh, you I know? feel
2: terrible about myself. No, you did I... great. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I learned and I had fun. That's what's important.
1: Yeah. All right. There you have it. How did you do at this month's Curiosity Challenge? Think you can do better next month? Well, if you'd like to play or if you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, shoot us an email at podcast at curiosity or leave us a voicemail at 312-596-5208.
0: Before we recap what we learned today, here's a sneak peek at what you'll hear next week on Curiosity Daily.
1: Next week, you'll learn about how sleep is being disrupted during lockdown and how to rest better at night, the first prescription video game ever approved by the FDA, whether chocolate actually causes breakouts, how spies can eavesdrop on conversations using light bulbs, and more. All right, so now let's review what we learned today. We learned that we make sense of the nonsensical through the meaning maintenance model which says we build a web of reality. And when that's challenged, we respond in one of three ways. We build a whole new mental representation of reality. We reinterpret the event so it fits within our existing beliefs. Or we just reject it and strengthen other unrelated beliefs in our web to compensate for the lapse in meaning.
0: And this also explains the appeal of works of art that deliberately challenge our understanding of the world. So if you think about the comedy of Monty Python or basically any David Lynch film, Mulholland Drive comes to mind which I don't care for, but I can see the appeal. They mix together familiar settings with illogical or absurd elements. And that's also why Wet Hot American Summer is my favorite comedy.
1: <laughs> uh, editing this script actually did make me rent Mulholland Drive because I had never seen it. It's it's pretty good.
0: You liked it.
1: I mean, I liked it okay. I liked it about as much as any David Lynch, right. which is okay. <laughs>
0: right? One doesn't... I found that I don't often like David Lynch. <laughs> I enjoy it on some level, but yeah.
1: I feel like I endure it because it's good for me.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you really got to watch Eraserhead to get the full the full David Lynch effect.
1: I have not seen that one, so maybe, maybe I will. That is a movie.
0: <laughs> and having said that, by the way, Twin Peaks, one of the best shows ever.
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely enjoyed Twin Peaks.
0: So good. Anyway, we also learned the black hole information paradox wonders where the information from a black hole goes. I mean, quantum mechanics says information can never be destroyed, so maybe that information gets stored in a two-dimensional plane that surrounds a black hole, then the information is restored when it escapes as radiation. So basically, black holes work like holograms. Maybe?
1: Whether they do or not, the idea seems like it belongs in a college dorm room late at night.
0: Or... A David Lynch movie. Today's stories were written by Kelsey Donk and Grant Curran and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily.
1: Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Have a
0: great weekend. Watch a David Lynch movie and join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes.
1: And until then, stay curious.